Hello and welcome back to another edition of Podcast from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. This month, we will have President Cyril Ramaphosa back at the Zondo Commission, this time as head of state. We'll also have, or will we, the formal start of former President Jacob Zuma's fraud and corruption trial dating back to the old arms deal. We should also get a decision out of the Constitutional Court about whether or not to actually imprison Jacob Zuma, as the prosecution has argued, for failing to appear before the Zondo Commission. Is that not enough? There's also the small matter of government reneging on a three-year wage deal with public service unions and a negotiation about how that could lead uh, to a national strike. Hardly anyone has been vaccinated yet against the coronavirus, despite media reporting a vaccine's rollout as if it were already happening. You know, almost everywhere you look, our country's a mess. And though we fear for it, we also love it and we want it to succeed. It's hard to know, though, what to do. It's hard to say exactly what has gone wrong or pinpoint where it started. Obviously, the past 300 years have been no help. But why is fixing the damage those years did to us as a society proving so difficult? I'm really pleased my guest today has agreed to talk to me. He's an almost unique voice because he's lived our apartheid and post-apartheid politics. He's now both an insider and an outsider. I read his often acerbic commentary on social media and wonder why some editor has not yet rung a regular column out of him. My guest has been General Secretary of Kosatu, the ANC's trusted union ally, and also the Premier of Gauteng, where he made the promise of a high-speed train actually occur. Among a body politic of broken promises, and Basim Shiloa always stands out. Thanks for joining me today, Mbazima. I presume that you will have watched a little bit of Cyril Ramaphosa's appearance before Judge Zondo last week. What was your assessment of what he of what happened? My assessment was that, uh, uh, firstly, uh, even though he went there prepared, but he didn't go there prepared to tell the truth, the whole truth, and the honest truth. And then I'll explain to you why. But secondly, that I think that uh, there are certain areas in which he literally got away with, uh, you know, soft responses with them not following uh, through on those issues. But thirdly, that of course, you know, it does help us have a sense that even though there may have been denials, that one of the reasons why they never took any action was that one, the Zuma faction was uh, strong, but secondly, as always, that they would have decided that the party comes first. Now, to go back to why I'm saying that, uh, you know, he went there prepared to tell the truth, but then they didn't go all the way. You just have to take, one, the issue of the deployment committee. Frankly, uh, if I was Cyril, I would have gone there and said, yes, we do have a deployment committee. We have used it in the past. In some areas, it has been successful. In others, it has not been successful. And where it has not been successful is because we did not look at whether such people have the capacity or not 
It was more about who are they aligned to and or whether they'll be able to help, uh, you know, fund the party and or loot for wherever the, the people may then. Secondly, I think from the commission, both the, uh, the investigators uh, as well as uh, Zondo, really, for me, instead of focusing on the soft issue of the, um, whether there was deployment or not, they should have also been able to ask, but is there money that have flown to the ANC from all of those various state uh, enterprises? And why, if that happened, Cyril did not himself take a stand, or if he did, you know, he would have been able to say, look, I spoke up, but I was then just um, overruled. That's really what happens. So that was my overall take uh, on it. I mean, obviously, he wasn't going to volunteer anything that could damage his uh, political position in the party. Was the problem with Cyril Ramaphosa being coy, or was it simply that he was being treated with a little bit too much deference, do you think, by the commission? I think it was a combination of both. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, it, and, and this has got very little to do with Cyril. Any political party leader who would go in there would seek first to protect his or own reputation, and secondly, to ensure that he's not one who, even when the party was to may unravel because of what comes out of the Zondo Commission, that it is not said that, but the nail was partly what he said. Secondly, I think that, yes, there was an element of, uh, of difference. Uh, in that there were questions, as I'm saying, that were never fully probed. I mean, for instance, Cyril says, in, in the public's eye, the ANC is accused number one. Yeah. What do you mean by that, sir? Because this is something that you wrote yourself. What do you think you're being accused of? Is it a, a fair accusation? Is it false? What are you going to do about it? What has happened? And I think there tended to be more discussion about the future, about what Cyril is doing, when in fact, what should happen is something that Zondo must come with. What we're more interested in is to be able to look back and say, this is what happened. And unless we're able to go deep to understand what happened, we will never be able to avoid it again. And I think, as you know, history may repeat itself and it may, at that point, be more like a fuss. But Mbazima, I mean, first of all, I think the fact that he was there was not a bad sign. I mean, not a bad political signal to the country and maybe to the rest of the world. But the question that I wanted, you know, is why why does he battle so hard to, to be non-contentious? In other words, you know, it's not as if he faces the life of poverty uh, if the party drops him as its leader. Why does he not stand up more often and be tougher? It, uh, losing won't affect him all that badly. It wouldn't, as it might have done a Jacob Zuma or somebody who didn't have his wealth. One presumes that he really wants the job. Is he ambitious? Well, I, I would say he, he, he did want the job hmm. and, uh, you know, went to great lengths to be able to get it, um, you know, by all means, you know, and, and I know people will say, well, he bought it. I think 
whoever would have won, it would have been because they put some money uh, behind the particular campaign. So I'm less worried about this thing of, well, he bought it so much, he didn't buy it for so much. Everyone, from way back in 2007, ANC campaigns have always been funded. Whether the people were inside or outside, that's really a different story. So he does want the job. I've been surprised, really, at uh, at Cyril. Uh, slack of um, backbone, for, for lack of better word. Because, you see, I mean, you can say anything about Zuma. The fact is, he was willing to, to act, even if he was wrong. You can say the same thing about... Um, about uh, Tabombeki, you know, he was willing to act regardless of the outcome. I know people will say that, well, those ones came in with a, with a majority. But the reality, Peter, as you would know, 50% plus one is 100% majority. If you've got that majority, if you use it, even those who did not vote for you the first time are more likely to support you for the second term. If you don't use it, there are many who would have supported you, but who would think, you know what, we wasted our, um, our time. And I think that Cyril is getting himself into that situation. There will be, I mean, if you look at the um, top six, I think there would be a time in which you could think of it as 4-2-3-3, but I'm not sure that that's really something that he'll be able to, to maintain unless he stiffen up. Also, you know, it's not like, look, the approach I would take is one that says, look, I've been elected. I'm going to take those decisions which I'm capable of taking. I will push for those decisions that require collective. Even if I lose, I'll be vocal. People will know this is what I am. And if I am not returned as president of the ANC and therefore of the country, because I was doing the right thing, rather let history judge that I was removed, not for not acting, but because I was, I was trying to act in the best interest of the, of the country. And I'm not sure, I, I think, you know, he's trying to sit on both stools at the moment. You wrote an article last year in about June, if I remember correctly, where you had a biblical quote from uh, the book of Matthew, no one can serve two masters, you wrote for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And you relate this back. You say one accepts that Ramaphosa needs the support of the party. But in this particular instance, and you're talking about corruption, he needs the support of the country more. Um, and you basically make the point that he needs to choose between party and country and that it's time for him to live up to his election promises. And this is the constant refrain that one has with Cyril Ramaphosa: is when will you know when will the when will the promising when will the living up to the promises start? What is taking so long? Well, I am not sure that he will ever be able to live on it. Even though, I mean, he's one of the, I mean, other than Mandela, and of course, you know, Tabombeki's first term. I mean, he's one person who. Those who are outside of the ANC wish him to succeed. And I'm talking about people who are out there, you know, on the, on the fringes. I'm not talking about the vocals out there that say too many things, but you're not really sure what they are saying. 
So I would say that he's got a broader support out there, but he is not willing to act in terms of those particular issues. Yes, yeah, so when I say choose between the party and the country, I don't mean that act recklessly such that you destroy the ANC, because if he destroys the ANC, he will have nothing in which to be able to lead and to be able to contest and going forward. And, and I know how people are. People prefer to be with someone who is leading and in the party. Even as with their conviction, they would say, we agree with you. I saw it when we went with the Congress of the People. Many people still in the ANC, the same issues they're raising now, we told them there. We said to them, look, this guy is going to be a disaster. They said, no, 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 you don't understand it. This is a party. This is a collective we're going to move forward. So my view is that Cyril owes it first to himself to be able to say, when I came in, I mean, it is at the rock bottom, uh, Peter. You know, yeah. you just need to take a few steps to be able to really push it up. I mean, it's like coming after John Major, you know? I mean, really, what can you, what can you lose out of it? That's really something he needs to think about. And he's been unable to... He's been, well, look, his popularity in the polls that one sees, um, he, you know, he's, a popular, he's more popular than his party is. I suppose that must mean, that must mean something. But I was interested in, you, in the point that you were making earlier just now, where you say that you've got to get the past right. Because I was trying to suggest in a column I wrote for Sunday was that, in fact, what he's asking Raymond Zondo to do is not to help him get the past right so much as get the future right, so that Zondo's recommendations make it impossible for the party to control state-owned entities, for instance, the way that they do. And he was looking almost, I think, my reading of the first afternoon, he was almost looking for Zondo's help in saying, listen, help, you know, we need to stop this this thing where, you know, the deployment committee decides who the chairman is and who the who the board members are and who the finance director is. But that can only be done, Cyril can only do that to the ANC because that's the basis of its patronage and its money. He can only do that if he's got outside help from someone like Judge Zonda. Yes, but you see, if you look at it, the point I was making earlier on is also that he also speaks on these very same issues from both ends of his mouth. Because when Zondo says, <laughs> well, can you agree that therefore, sure, there may have been a need for a deployment committee, the need for deployment, but that now the time is passed for us to move that. He says, no, 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 in our country, we still need it for women, for all of those. And sometimes they confuse what happens elsewhere in the world. Elsewhere in the world, what they do is to say, for a minister, you are entitled to bring your staff. They will leave you with you when you go. But they're not going to sit there at the, you know, at least formally in a yeah. party for the Democratic Party, the Conservative Labour, and say we're going to put this or that or that particular person. In terms of the running of those major institutions, they rely on what is a professional public service, which is there to serve regardless of what is there. So I think if Cyril was genuinely looking uh, forward to for Zondo to help him, you need to be able to give the guy the gory details. I mean, obviously within within reason, you know, 
And yeah. you give them the gory details. And when they say to you, but, you know, I think this is something we need to move from. You say, absolutely, you know, not only in terms of the ANC, but everybody else, you know. So I think for me, he wants the deployment committee to, to continue, but he thinks, well, let's leave the bad side of it. The reality is that there will always be good and bad side, but the bad is what will always trap because it is about funding the party, uh, Pira. Uh, yeah. I, I think if we really see that, it's, there's got very little about Zuma took this money here, Zuma took that money there. It's about most of these resources cronyism. They get the money and then they pass it over to the party. This is a feature of, of left-wing parties around the world. Though. I mean, I clearly remember both the Italian and the Spanish socialist parties funded themselves um, uh, fraudulently through the issuing of tenders and contracts. Except, Peter, you would have to concede that the conservatives are doing a bad job of being a left-wing party then. Yes, that's true. <laughs> anyway, but, the, so, but, but, but I take your point that, look, most often left-leaning parties because they normally don't have support of business, established business, they yeah. tend to go the cronies rule and therefore yeah. tends to also get caught up in a lot of corruption. Whereas the other ones, it's not that they don't do it, but it's only that because it's established business, they've now have, have learned and mastered the ropes of really sort of, you know, doing yeah. like they are doing good. But yeah. I mean, they, they also do it, uh, you know, across all Perhaps, parties. I mean, he seemed to make a big, he mentioned the party funding, new party funding legislation quite a lot. And maybe he hopes that that will help at least channel m more legitimate money uh, the ANC's way. But Mbazima, I've got a, a, a story in today's, um, I found it online today, the Etiquini municipality, it says it set up a special rapid response team in an attempt to respond swiftly to complaints related to urban forest challenges and overgrown verges. Now, living in Johannesburg, you'll know all about overgrown pavements and roads and God knows what. This is obviously, um, this this uh, special response team is obviously a, a sign that a local government election is near. Um, what would you, just looking, put your sort of, sort of forecasters hat on, uh, how does this local government election uh, turn out? Last time was very different. The ANC did extremely badly, and Musi Maimani and the DA did very well for a while. Yeah, I think that part of the problem here is that uh, the, the DA is not providing alternative vision to the ANC. It is making a lot of noise about what is wrong with the ANC. And I think many people know what is wrong with the ANC. What they're asking is, what is it that you offer? And here I think, and I know I'm being unfair because I'm going to use the dreaded word, the media uh, helps in it. But I know there's no such a thing as a media. You know, they they all as diverse as you know them. And even inside each uh, newsroom, there is diversity. But what I really mean is this. We allow political parties, including the ANC, to speak on general terms for an election. I think what we should be doing, uh, you know, and it's something I'm thinking about for a column, it, what we should really be doing is to say, 
We are out there available for the taking as voters. Now, don't tell me in general terms. You know as the ANC how much the budget is in Johannesburg. The DA, you know the same thing. The EFF, you know the same thing. Tell me, with this budget as it is, how will you prioritize this budget over the next five years if you were to be elected? And then, so we don't get someone who come there and say, well, I'll cut grasses and they'll cut grasses between now and then. But, you know, that's not really the, really the real issue. The issue for local government is building local economies. Because if you're not going to help grow local economies, at least in my view, if you are in, in a metro such as Johannesburg, Ekuruleni, Swani, Etequini, and all of those, you control bigger budgets, some of them bigger than some provinces. You can't just be there and talking about just payment of salaries. So I think it's difficult to, to call it, but I think that the ANC is more likely to be returned, not because it's doing a good job, but because it's really sort of, you know, competing against the no one. How would you how would you rate, um, he's very active on social media, but I don't have a sense on the ground of how he might be doing, but I'm talking about Herman Mashaba. Um how would you rate his chances? He, 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 I sometimes wonder whether or not he may not be striking a chord with people. I I don't know. You know, I'm one of the people who believes that uh, Twitter is not a country, yeah, and that you're less likely to win because of what is happening on Twitter. Even with Herman, I listened to him talking to uh, Bingwa on Seven O Two. He asked him. What would you do differently in Johannesburg if you were to win it that you couldn't do when you were mayor for the DA? And he said, well, you know, the ANC have messed up. The ANC, he had five minutes, a free platform to punt his own party. But that's not really what he focused on. So I, I think, look, he'll get a foot here, he'll get a foot there. But I'm willing to put up my last penny that he's not going to win any municipality. Yeah. Bazima, I want to also just talk a little bit about the unions, given your history. How do you rate the alliance? Is Kosatu there sort of in the tent with the ANC for good? Or, you know, does this occasional sort of promise that it or threat that it'll leave uh, ever look like being real and contest, you know, elections on its own? It's staying in the relationship uh, for the sake of the kids, uh, you know, rather than that, there's still anything in that relationship, in that marriage and all of that. Frankly, I think that, you know, there was a time when, I mean, I, I, I support the need for those kind of relationship that Kosato had with the Communist Party. Uh, and with um, with the ANC. But let's leave aside the Communist Party for now and just focus on Kosato and the ANC. It has happened everywhere. But all of those various parties have been able to halfway decide to say, you know what, this is what the alliance was about. So it doesn't matter whether you're talking the, the Labour Party in Britain with the, with the TUC. Those guys were able to say, you know what, it works. 
yes, we want a relationship, but we're not going to go into a relationship in which it says it does not matter how good or bad that you're doing as the ruling party in government, you always guaranteed our, our support, which is what I think, in spite of what Kosato says, it, it basically says to the ANC, well, because you're our only hope, whether you do bad or good, we're going to stay with you. I think if Kosato was to say to the ANC, we believe on many things that you stand for. We will, we will support you. But this is a pact. You know, this is when uh, the, the idea of that RDP that Jay and others and Kosato raised, it was based on that notion that says, let there be some pact of element. So whether that pact is for 5, 10, 15 years, that's a different story. But it's not a marriage in which you say, till death do us uh, apart. Even though you know that, look, marriages do, you know, end apart long before people have died. So, I, and, 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 and that's my first thing. My second thing is that I think it's not just Costato, though. Over time, and, and, and some of it started when I was there, more when Vavi was there, over time, the trade union movement have been losing members. Not because most people don't see it's good, but because they, they don't think that the leadership is committed to trying to deal with the most difficult issues that they face. Take, for instance, the situation we're in now. And I mean, I know that, uh, you know, uh, both Kosatu and, uh, and government, you know, they are speaking uh, tough. The reality is that government will not be able to get away with a zero percentage uh, increase, you know. But Kosatu also knows that it can push, but it will push up to a limit. So what if if you are in that kind of alliance, what do you use, what do you do is that you use it to leverage. You say to Cyril, let's sit down, tell us what the real problems are. Let's look at the pact over the next five years. This is what we will do. This is how we will deliver. This is what you'll do. This is how we'll deliver. And therefore, this is the salary structure we put in place, which may go over and above, depending on how we're able to improve, both in terms of service delivery and so forth. At the moment, it seems simply like, well, we have to bargain every year, give us something. But, yeah. but Cyril, who knows how to negotiate, how to bargain, is not really doing anything about it. You've got Gwedem Antashire, Ibrahim Patel, uh, you've got Tito Mboweni, who was there, who was the Minister for Labour. You've got on the business side, people like Sandy Lezungu, who was in the Railways uh, Union people. You've got people like Sipo Pichana, who put... So you've got a group of people that could really be able to pull together a deal. But I think they're not going to do it because also leadership is also afraid, uh, both in Kosatu and in the ANC. This is what this is what gets me. This is a sort of final question. This it's the fear of you know. There's a theory that basically, if the fear was removed, there would be no alliance at all. In other words, in, I remember clearly in Spain, the Spanish um, uh, socialist government also had an alliance with the socialist union and the communist party, 
and that alliance was blown apart completely by the arrival of strong economic growth because everybody felt confident enough to go off on their own. And the, the, the question I wanted just to ask you, because we stand now at, on the cusp of what could be a massive economic boom. The FT, the Financial Times, um, uh, is reporting this morning that we're on the verge, partly because of, you know, we're recovering now, going to recover after India from COVID, and this, China is uh, is growing, of a really, really huge bull market in, for, for, for the things that we have in South Africa, all of our commodities um, and our agricultural produce. And there's this, there's this possibility of massive, massive wealth and success here, almost for doing nothing. But what we don't have is a system of, of, I don't know, somehow sort of using that wealth in a common and consensual way. And part of it has to do with the way capital behaves. But part of it also has to do with the way uh, uh, labor behaves. And I often think it's, you know, why is it so difficult to create a consensus here, like the Germans did after the war, where labor and business, leave the government out of it, somehow find the middle ground where you can have workers on company boards and making sensible decisions rather than sowing, you know, distrust and dissent about uh, uh, business leaders or whatever it might be. Daniel Manello at APSA was a classic example. If there'd been an if there'd been a, a worker representative of the board of APSA, would Daniel have you know would he have been forced out of the bank? Maybe not. No, you know things would have yeah. changed, things would have changed. But but Indeed. but there, were, there there wasn't one. There's not that voice in the company. And my in, my instinct, I keep being told anyway, not my instinct, my information, is that the unions don't want that. Well, uh, I, I think it, it. I think it's a subject on its own, uh, Peter. I think for me, uh, the, the 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 problem we can't move forward is because of the trade union leadership and the ANC leadership. Number one, you know, before I left Kosato, some of the things that we did, Inogorongwane, myself, Halima, as well, all of the was to take everybody with title, with business people, to look at Germany, to look at uh, Holland, to look at the Swedes. And, and when we came back, we said, forget about this thing of a network. Network is important for some things, but really what you need is business and labor locking themselves out in a room and move somewhere. What was the result? The establishment of the Millennium Council. Who was the chair of that Millennium Council? Cyril uh, Ramaphosa, right? <laughs> he let it die. Vavi was the deputy there, you know. So my view is that he should know that this is possible. And if they were to go back in, because the Millennium Council still exists, the problem is that those who are remaining in Kosato don't believe in it, and therefore, you know, it's just more about. Vavi is outside of Kosato. He thinks it can be used. So if I were Cyril, and I've said this before, I would, I would, I would not worry about Kosato and all of those. I would say, let's bring in the various leadership of the trade union movement. You bring Vavi, you bring uh, um, uh, Zingiswa, you bring the guys from the uh, public service, 
you bring Matunjwa, you bring, and you say to them, guys, this is our country. We are in deep trouble. Remember, many people don't believe that we are in a, in a deep hole when it comes to finances. They think, well, with corruption, all of those, you just need to bring back a pound here from ESCOM and someone who stole it, a pound there, and then Bob is your uncle. They don't understand that, look, we are in a deep hole. We need everybody to be together. So I think if you brought all of those people together, the only way in which the Germans were able to succeed, or the French and Holland, and you know, in Holland, I, I use this example of Holland because when that deal was done, the president or the prime minister of Holland, it was uh, the former general secretary of, um, of the Trade Union Federation. He went in there, went back to his colleagues and said, guys, let's sit down. I will be open with you. Here are the books. You can bring any auditor you want to bring. We are in trouble as Holland. But we can move out of it if we do one, two, three, four. These are his colleagues. Surely, Ibrahim Patel still holds sway when he's come to the clothing and textile. It must not just be that he'll do some agreement for them with regard to, you know, this or that with China. They've got sway with FAO where they still have sway with the National Union of Mine Workers. Surely, if you were to sit down with these guys to say, here is a problem, we will keep to our bargain, give us a bargain, I think we'll be able to move elsewhere. Until that, be... that happens, we're going nowhere slowly. Mazima Shiloh, thank you so much for that. That was such a valuable conversation for me, and I hope for the listeners to uh, podcast from the edge as well. Really appreciate your time this morning. I really appreciate your passion and I follow you religiously on uh, on Twitter, as you know. But uh, yes. but 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 thank you so much for for joining us. And that was such a valuable contribution. Much appreciated. No, no, thank you very much, Peter. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And isn't it a pity that grown-ups like um, Bazima Shiloa still aren't uh, still aren't in government in some capacity? I think it's a real I think it's a real shame for South Africa. Thank you very much for joining me. We'll be back again next week with another stimulating conversation and a stimulating guest. Really appreciate you listening to podcasts from the Edge. We're on the FM every week. We're on Spotify's uh, podcast app. We're on the Apple podcast up Iona in South Africa. So no excuse not to listen. I try my best to get uh, interesting interesting guests in and to uh, and to entertain you and inform you. Thanks so much. Bye.